Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, I hope you're doing super well. Hey, just before we get going on today's episode, I want to talk about why God is depicted as a he in the Bible. But just before we do, I wanted to let you know about something. A lot of you have asked me um, if and how you can support um, all the work that I do with the podcast. And so I have armed and art about this for so long um, because I didn't want to make anything too tricky and I don't really like asking people. But um, I felt like it was about time um, and I kept getting bugged from uh, the platform that I use going, oh, use our marketplace. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So anyway, I found something super easy. The link is in the show notes or the link is also on girlnextdoor.podcast on social media. Uh, It's called Buy Me A Coffee uh, where you can either donate, like one coffee is worth like $5. You can either donate one, two, three coffees or you can actually become a monthly member. I've got it set up so it's literally like $5 a month to become a member. Um, I've got a goal where I'd love to be able to actually podcast one day a week, uh, which means I'll be able to put more content out there uh, and do an even better job of researching. So anyway, I've got a goal of 50 members and I'm going to give a shout out at the end to all of the people that have signed up so far. But anyway, there you go. Really appreciate it. But today's topic, um, now this is in the light, I guess, of Women's International Day. If you were on my Instagram, you would have seen, I put just a real quick snippet up of um, Hershey's chocolate. I loved those little Hershey, you know, the little kiss button things. I don't know if they, why they're called kiss. I can't can't even remember. But anyway, I like Hershey's because I like chocolate. Anyway, International Women's Day, what did they do? They had a campaign where the spokesperson was a a biological man and they called it, get this, the pronoun her, she, her, she's, get it? I actually thought that was clever, but anyway, and then I see that in America, I don't know, there was some biological male that was awarded with something. Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden's wife awarded a a biological male with some award on International Women's Day. Anyway, it's getting crazy out there, guys. And now we've got the Anglican Church in the UK are having a debate about whether God should be referred to in Well, it's a bit confusing. They're saying gender neutral terms, but I'm going to unpack it a little bit because they say that on the one hand, but then anyway, their options are not gender neutral. So I wanted to talk about it. Why is God depicted as a he in the Bible? Um, I think it's an important conversation, but also are we playing with fire and walking on very dangerous ground with trying to change the way that we refer to God. So we're going to have a bit of fun with this today, guys. We're going to have a little bit of a podcast on air debate. I'm going to give you some of the reasons that they're giving for wanting to uh, refer to God in gender neutral terms. And then I'm going to rebut all of those arguments. And then I'm going to give you some more. And then we're going to land it on why God is depicted as male in the Bible. This is such an important conversation. 
So they're trying to work out how they can refer to God without assigning agenda and how they can use more inclusive language. Now, apparently they've been considering this since 2014. So they've been thinking through this for a while. You can look up all sorts of articles around this. I found some titled Church of England Explores Using Gender Neutral Terminology to Refer to God in Prayer or Church of England Explores Gender Neutral God. Now, this is not just happening overseas. It's actually also much closer to home. There's quite a number of churches in Australia that are already walking the line on this and have already started using or are trying to use gender neutral pronouns for God. So anyway, it's not just overseas. And of course, you know, whatever happens overseas comes here anyway. So back in England, the bishops are trying to, well, not trying to, they're reviewing whether the Church of England should continue referring to God with male pronouns. And they've got a project starting at the end of this year on gendered language. Now, we have to remember that Jewish and Christian teachings have been referring to God as he and father since millennia. So they are aware that this is very controversial and that any changes will need to actually be approved through through their legislative body. So I thought to myself, okay, well, what are they talking about? What would this look like if we were to refer to God in gender neutral terms or in inclusive language? What would that look like? And it turns out They don't really have that much of a plan yet. They are giving some examples. For example, apparently in prayers like the Lord's Prayer, instead of saying our father, you could replace father with either mother or parent. Try that one. Our mother who art in heaven. Our parent who art in heaven. But already I'm a little bit stuck on this because if they're wanting to refer to God in gender neutral language, then mother is not gender neutral right? And neither's parent. So already I'm like, um, guys, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot right here. Like if you want gender neutral language, don't you have to get rid of father, mother, parent altogether? So anyway, that, that is already very confusing. And apparently though, God's pronoun would become they, them. So let's have a look at four arguments that I could find, uh, that I've come up with where I'm like, okay, these are the reasons. And they're kind of almost understandable. The first one is they say, well, look, God is neither male nor female. And that is true. God does not have a gender. So therefore, according to them, ascribing male language is not inclusive and it's wrong because he's not a male, according to them. Now, some even go so far, guys, this is going to blow your mind. If you're driving, hold on to your steering wheel. Some go as far to say that Jesus could have been transgender. And I'm like, when I read that, I was like, this can't be true. How do they figure that Jesus could be transgender? Well, there's a couple of ways, one of which I don't even want to say in the podcast, because when I read it, I was like, that is so gross. I cannot even believe that they're saying this. However, the other thing I read was that apparently they're saying, well, look, Mary did not conceive Jesus with a male. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. So therefore, she's the only one involved in the conception. So the child came from her flesh. Therefore, the child had XX chromosomes being female. So Jesus was born genetically female, but transformed into a man. Not quite sure when that happened. 
Can you believe that? That is their excuse, their reasoning for why Jesus could be transgender. So that's their first argument. God is not male nor female, so therefore we should not ascribe male language. We shouldn't assume we can ascribe male language. Number two, they argue, well, in the Bible, God is referred to as both mother and father. So I don't know about you, but argument one and argument two kind of cancel each other out, right? Because the first argument is saying he's not male or female, so don't prescribe him male language. But in the second argument, they're saying that he is male or female because he refers to himself as mother and father. So those two arguments kind of cancel each other out. They kind of can't have it both ways, but they're trying to. The third reason is that according to them, The only reason that God is referred to in the Bible with male pronouns is because the Bible was written in a patriarchal society and was written by men. So, of course, that's why they prescribed male pronouns and male language to God. And the fourth reason that I could find was that, well... And this is what trans people would say. Um, And I have read, uh, there's actually a a blog. I haven't read a lot of it yet, but I've got it pinned on my uh, computer so I can look into it. It's called Believe Out Loud. Uh, And so the trans um, young people would say, well, look, God made me this way and he doesn't make mistakes. And since I'm trans and I'm made in the image of God, this is proof that God is diverse. And if God is diverse, then we shouldn't be prescribing male language to him. So there you go. So have have a look at uh, Believe Out Loud. So there are the four reasons. I'm sure there could be more. All right. So what I want to do now is I want to refute them. So I'm going to go over those four again. I'm going to refute them, and then I'm going to give some more. And then, like I said, we're going to finish off with why then is God male or depicted as male in scripture? Okay, so their first argument that God is neither male nor female, therefore ascribing male language is considered wrong. Well, they're partly, I mean, they're correct, right? Like God is neither male nor female, not in the human way that we think of sex and gender. So you can read right throughout scripture, God is spirit. He doesn't have a body like us. God actually has no sexuality. Male and female, i.e. gender, that is actually for creation. It is not for the creator. And I'd go so far that the inclusive left are actually being exclusive by only referring to God in human terms. They're not being inclusive at all because they're completely excluding God as divine, right? Because they're trying to say, look, you get to choose. You can call him ma- uh, you can call him father, you can call him mother, you can call him parent, you can call him they, them. But all of that is human language. So therefore, God is being excluded because he's not even human. He's actually divine. And by them trying to prescribe him as human is being exclusive. He is not like us at all. He is divine. So their non-binary language does nothing to describe God as the divine being that he is. 
what they're doing is actually reducing God down to their ideas and trying to stuff him into this box of gender neutral language. They're correct that he doesn't have a gender. So therefore, why are they trying to push him still into this gender neutral box? They have it so wrong. They're forgetting that God transcends gender. So that would be my argument with the first one. The second one, their argument is that, well, in the Bible, God refers to himself as both mother and father, and therefore he can be referred to, you know, not just as male, but any language that we choose. Okay, let me refute that one. Yes, again, they are correct. The Bible does refer to God as mother and father, but guess what? He does so, the scripture does so, in order to explain his nature and his traits. It's imagery, not biology. So that's my argument there. So again, they're trying to force this gender onto God, but he is just describing his nature, not his biology. Third argument is that um, the Bible was written in a patriarchal society and it was written by men, so therefore they prescribe male pronouns. Well, those that write that wrote the Bible, they were aware, of course they were aware of non-masculine language to describe God because guess what? In their society, many cultures actually worshipped female deities. So they knew the difference. They still chose male And we have to remember, all scripture is God-breathed. So the words that were used to describe God, it's not been given by the patriarchy. It was God-breathed. So it's actually God himself who is saying, who, who presented himself in male terms. Number four, the whole argument being God made me this way, aka trans or gender flawed or whatever it is, And he doesn't make mistakes. So since I'm trans and I'm made in the image of God, this is proof that God is diverse. Well, guess what? No, that's not the case. God is not confused about who you are. He made you and me. And no matter what we feel, it doesn't override the truth of his word. His word says he made us male and female. It does not say he made us male and female and non-binary and bigender and cisgender and demi-boy and demi-girl. No, no, no. It's very clear. So no matter how you might feel, it's two people that he made. His image were made in his image, male and female. All right. So they're the first arguments, but let me present a few extra ones. Argument number five, and this goes along with what I was saying about the scripture being God-breathed. God himself chose to reveal himself to us in the masculine. He revealed himself in the scripture as male with masculine pronouns and titles. I mean, you can look up scriptures where he refers to himself as king. We see father, we see pronoun he, we see the word son. And if you don't believe that, then you don't believe that scripture was God breathed. So God did not reveal himself in gender neutral terms or feminine terms. Any feminine language, remember what I said, it was to reveal aspects of his nature, not not biology. He re- but he revealed he chose to reveal himself in masculine terms 
which culminated in the arrival of God as man, right? Being Jesus, not God, woman, or God, non-binary. Another point here, Adam was clearly a man. And since the first sin happened by a man and death came into the world by a man, Jesus is referred to as the last Adam and the atonement for the death was paid by a man. So it's very clear. I mean, you know, God does talk about his nature in feminine terms, but he never refers to himself as a she. All right. Argument number six, enforcing pronouns on God is completely hypocritical. So isn't culture right now adamant that each person must be able to choose their preferred pronouns and titles, and you have to fall in line with that. These have to be respected, and to do otherwise is considered hateful and transphobic. Yet, clearly, guys, I've just established God chose his own pronouns. He chose the gender that he wanted to be revealed as, and he chose his masculine titles. And yet, they are not respecting him and his chosen pronouns. So clearly they don't believe God says who he says he is, which is really disrespectful according to them. Argument number seven. This is actually fear of man rather than fear of God. People are doing this. The Anglican church is doing this because they fear what man will say and could do in a time where honestly, it just takes the click of a button to cancel businesses, people, whole movements. And so they're bowing down to the fear of man and they're not even thinking about having the fear of God. This is not the biblical gospel that people will hear when they come to their services. Like we're talking about people's salvation. So if they can't even use the pronouns that God has chosen for himself because it might offend someone, do you really think they're going to preach the hardcore gospel that we are all sinners in need of a savior? Like if they're about not offending, then isn't the very essence of the gospel offensive? So they clearly, how are they going to present the gospel if they're worried about offending? And they're just not fearing God enough. They're too worried about fearing people and fearing man, because if they were fearing God, they would never even suggest this in the first place. And argument number eight, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what society might happen to be doing right now. He never changes. God has not and will never go on a human journey to discover himself. He already knows who he is. He said it in the beginning. So there's eight arguments on why God needs to continue to be depicted in male terms. But what I wanted to focus on for the rest of the podcast is actually the biggest question of all, which is why did God choose to reveal himself as male? Isn't this a fascinating question? Like if God doesn't have a gender, and by the way, he couldn't, um, he wouldn't have revealed himself as an it because it, which is new to language, didn't even exist in Hebrew. So if he could have chosen male or female, why didn't he choose female? Like, why did he choose male? Why is he depicted as male 
when we know that he transcends gender. So what I'm going to draw down on, you guys know I love PragerU. And I've got the app on my phone and they've got, you can go and listen to this video yourself, but I'm going to unpack it for you. But they've got a five minute video where Prager, Dennis Prager talks about why God depicts himself as a male. And I remember hearing this a couple of years ago now. And I remember just thinking that just makes so much sense because sometimes we try and be so smart in our arguments and so intellectual. And something that I love about Dennis Prager is he just uses common sense and he doesn't apologize for it. So I wanted to share this with you because it's just so much common sense. Now, I started at the beginning by talking about International Women's Day and how we've got these biological men taking over our Women's Day. Well, it turns out that women in particular are going to be the ones who suffer again if we persist in trying to take away the masculine way that God is presented in the Bible. So the Bible, according to Prager, and of course we all know this, the Bible is preoccupied with making a kinder, less violent, more just world. So think, you know, 10 commandments, think scriptures, love thy neighbor as thyself, uh, you know, faith, hope, and love. Um, but the greatest of these that remain is love or look after the widows and orphans. Like God is always talking about how we can have a just, kind, good world. Now, just hold that thought for a minute. God is also a personal God, right? And we all need to relate to him. We can't relate to an it. It's very hard to relate to a they, them. We can't relate to that. It's not personal. And so one argument that Dennis Prager says is God wants to be a personal God. And so the only way that we can relate is if he presents himself in either male or female and he chose male. But why did he choose male? Well, who commits most of the world's violence? Remember what God is aiming for. Remember what scriptures are aiming for, a good, kind, just, moral world. So who commits most of the world's violence? Well, we all know the answer to that. The people who commit nearly all of the world's violence are males. Now, a huge contributing factor to this problem is, and we all know this, it is fatherlessness. So therefore, it is actually in men's and women's interest to depict God as male. Why? Because we know that young men need a father or a male rule giver. If a growing boy has no male authority, no father figure to guide him, he has more difficulty controlling his impulses. We all know the stats, and I've talked about these before. Children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to grow up in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, and they are 20 times more likely to end up in prison. President Barack Obama stated these in a speech himself in 2008. It's well known. Fathers are crucial to children. Therefore, fathers are crucial to society. So not just the boy for the boys, but the girls too. So it makes sense. God depicted himself in male terms, a father in heaven, not a goddess in heaven. And it's important that the moral commands come from a male because we need that male figure because without that father figure, we know what happens. If a child has no father on earth, 
or no father figure on earth, God can then become an effective substitute. And I know that in my own life. Now, according to Prager, any discomfort that we might have with God being depicted as a male is not even comparable to the pain that we are all going to feel if boys are not raised to be good men. And the only way to have boys being raised or the major way to raise boys as good men is for them to have male figures, father figures in their life. So when God as a male is described in the Bible as merciful, compassionate, caring for the poor and the widow, right? All the things that we need to have a good world. He's being the the main model for who we should all strive to be. But if God were depicted as female, then young men would find these traits feminine and they wouldn't identify with them. So on the other hand, if they've got this God, this father in heaven, who is strong and yet at the same time cares for the widows, cares for the poor, loves justice, is compassionate, is merciful and is kind, then that also becomes acceptable for these traits to be masculine. Now, of course, some would argue, well, girls equally need a female role model to avoid violence, but that's just not true. It's overwhelmingly a male problem. Yes, of course, girls need female role models, but not to avoid violence. And like boys, girls are actually also more likely to obey a male authority figure. So interestingly, more than half the female inmates, according to various studies, also come from fatherless homes. So women who try to render God non-masculine is rather ironic because it is us women who are going to suffer the most from lawless males. So Prager ends with this beautiful statement uh, where he says, we have too many absent fathers on earth to even begin to entertain the thought of having no father in heaven. Let me say that again. We have too many absent fathers on earth to even begin to entertain the thought of having no father in heaven. So don't let anyone tell you that you're not being inclusive for being adamant that God is depicted as our heavenly father. Our society will suffer greatly if we decide that God can be referred to in whatever terms we want. Now, I haven't said this for a while, but just wait for the fruit of this one. Over and over again, certain people in our society try these experiments and years or decades later, we realize the harm that they cause and then the pendulum just swings back the other way. And for those who say that we are embedding further misogyny and patriarchy by referring to God as he, I say, I am not bending God into your image, but we should all accept God's authority to define himself as he wishes, which he has done. And I am doubling down. God is not like a father. God is a father. He defines fatherhood and the world needs a whole lot more of that. So there you are. So go back over those, write them down. Eight arguments for why God should remain and is 
and has depicted himself as he in the Bible. So guys, just to finish off, I wanted to give a shout out and say thank you so much to uh, my brand new members on, um, like I said, the Buy Me A Coffee where the link is in the show notes. Um, So thank you so much to Brooke, to Victoria, to Chloe, to Vanessa and to Kylie and also to supporters Isla, Sarah, uh, an anonymous donor, Bernadette and Amy. And I've only been um, had this out there for a week, not even a week since last Friday. So I really appreciate you guys so, so much. Cannot wait for you, uh, to be with you on Friday. I did a little um, poll on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, just asking if anybody... Um, you know, how interested people are on learning a little bit more about the childhood immunization schedule or have people had enough of that, especially after COVID. And 75% of you were like, yes, please. And so I thought I would do um, a little bit of a collection on that. So I'm going to do that on Parenthood Friday. So if you're interested, come and join me there. I love you guys. Otherwise, I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.